This is the Build Wealth Canada Show, episode number 75. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. The spring real estate season is now upon us with lots of Canadians looking to buy and or sell their homes. And as if that wasn't enough with all of us also trying to deal with COVID, we've also had fixed mortgage rates finally begin to increase, raising questions such as, should we be locking in my mortgage rate in case interest rates continue to climb on fixed rate mortgages? And is there a way to lock in a mortgage rate now and then have the option to renew at that lower rate if the interest rates on fixed rate mortgages continue to climb. And while it's easy to get fixated on mortgage rates, whether you're an existing or a future home buyer, it is worth mentioning that the penalties for breaking a variable versus a fixed rate mortgage can be drastically different and can also vary significantly from provider to provider. So to help answer these questions, I've brought on our resident mortgage expert and mortgage broker, Sean Cooper. In case this is your first time hearing of Sean, Sean is the best-selling author of the book Burn Your Mortgage. He bought his first house when he was only 27 in Toronto and paid off his mortgage in just three years by age 30. These days, Sean's helping others burn their mortgages too as an independent mortgage broker. And before we dive into the interview, Sean has offered to answer for free any questions that you, the Build Wealth Canada listeners, have. And so I've set up a special page for him. So all you have to do is go to Build Wealth Canada dot ca slash sean that's s-e-a-n enter your email and sean will be in touch with you and will be able to answer any questions that you may have he is a licensed mortgage broker too so i definitely also encourage you to reach out to him if you're looking to get a new mortgage or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal as at the very least he'll be able to provide you with a short list of the best mortgages that he's been able to find across all of canada from the 60 plus lenders that he monitors and none of this costs you anything and there's no obligation to get your mortgage through him or anything like that, or you don't have to use any of the mortgages he suggests either. So at the very least, you'll get some good education on the top mortgages in Canada. You'll learn what to look for when choosing your next mortgage, and you can always decide later whether you'd like him to help you with the process, or if you want to do it all yourself, it doesn't cost you anything regardless. And lastly, as a bonus, I'll also email you the mortgage checklist, which is a guide on the top things to look for and consider when choosing a mortgage. So that link again to get in touch with Sean, get your questions answered, get the free mortgage checklist guide, and get that research on some of the best mortgages in Canada is over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's S-E-A-N. And now let's get into the episode. All right, Sean, welcome back to the show. Hi, Cornell. It's great to speak with you again today. Awesome. I'm always excited to have you on, especially give us, giving us these updates uh, when it comes to real estate and mortgages here in Canada. Obviously, a lot is happening right now with COVID and all that and the spring season kicking off. But when we uh, first spoke before the podcast, when you were just getting prepared here, you mentioned that fixed mortgage rates are finally on the rise. What are the implications of that for Canadians who already have a mortgage as well as those that are looking to get a new mortgage? Yes, great question, Cornell. So for the first time in nearly a year, we're seeing fixed mortgage rate rising. For the longest time, ever since the COVID situation first happened in March and April, fixed mortgage rates went up a bit, but then they went on the decline for several months. And then they really bottomed out around, I would say, October or November. And they stayed relatively flat for quite a while. But Just recently, in later February, we saw fixed rates start trending upward. We saw 
increases for the first time in almost a year, as I mentioned, which came to a bit of surprise to people because we're still in this current COVID situation in Canada, but there are several factors driving the fixed mortgage rates. You have to understand how mortgage rates are priced in order to understand why the fixed mortgage rates are rising. So what drives the pricing of the fixed mortgage rates is Government of Canada bond yields, which are influenced by bond yields in the U.S. from the U.S. uh, Treasury down there. So what's happening is that like, since Canada is so tightly close to the U.S. is doing a lot better down there like their vaccine rollout is going really well with their new president taking covid seriously uh, as as well as it looks like the us is going to be reaching perhaps herd immunity as early as the end of april and the plan is to have everyone vaccinated by the end of may and states have already started to reopen their economy so that is leading to a lot of optimism with investors and and that's driving up the bond yields a lot. And Canada is so closely tied to the US since they're our biggest trading partner. And that's causing our bond yields to spike as well. And to put this into perspective, the bond yields went up at one point in time, the biggest increase in almost 10 years, to put it into perspective. So we've seen there's still great mortgage rates available, mortgage rates that we haven't really seen before, even, even lower than the financial crisis back in 2008. But uh, the, the trend looks to be that mortgage rates will be heading upward. Like we've already seen increases at some lenders by 0.3 to 0. as much as 0.5%, depending on the lender. And bond yields still seem to be heading upward. You, usually when bond yields increase like this, it it is possible they could head back downward, but that's not usually what happens. Uh, they, they usually stay up like this for a while. So certainly with fixed mortgage rates. If I was in the market to buy a property, I would certainly reach out to my mortgage professional to get a pre-approval because um, like a mortgage broker like myself can typically get a rate hold of 120 days, which means that I could secure a rate for you for 120 days or four months. And as long as you buy a property in, in that time frame and have it closed, then the rate would be honored. And that protects you in case rates keep going higher because then you get the lower rate. And if your mortgage is coming up for renewal or if it's not necessarily coming up for renewal in the four months, even if you're a year out, you might think of breaking your mortgage early and paying a minimal penalty so that you, you lock in when rates are still low because the trend looks like the rates are going to keep heading higher. And also with a mortgage professional like myself, again, I can secure a rate for you four months in advance if your mortgage is coming up for renewal in the next three, four months. But uh, yes, I definitely think like, you know, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, maybe six months or longer, like six months to a year, or if it makes sense for you to break your mortgage, if you've got a rate on the higher side, near 3%, I certainly think it can make sense in terms of the mortgage math to break your mortgage. So yeah, definitely have your mortgage professional on speed dial and mortgage professionals try to be proactive, but you know, feel free to reach out if, if that situation applies to you. And uh, certainly think that uh, now's a good time to lock in those rate holds before fixed rates keep heading higher. 
Yeah, for anybody that missed the last episode that Sean and I did together, uh, giving a real estate update, uh, Sean is able to help crunch those numbers for you. So if you are debating whether you should basically break your mortgage and then lock in at lower rates, obviously there's some number crunching that has to be done there because you're going to pay penalties for breaking your mortgage, but then you, now you're getting a better rate. So there's you know certain situations where that makes sense and certain situations where that does not make sense. So so Sean, I assume you're still okay with Bill of Canada listeners uh, contacting you about that and you can do that math for them to see if it's actually worth their while to potentially break their mortgage versus not? Yes, of course. And fixed mortgage rates are higher than they were, as mentioned, because of the increase. They're higher now than compared to a month ago, but it can still make sense in terms of breaking your mortgage for a lower rate because even though the mortgage rates that the mortgage rate you'll be switching to is slightly higher than it used to be, because the mortgage rates now are higher than your mortgage penalties should be lower. So that helps offset the penalty that you'll have to pay. And it may work out in your favor that the numbers look even better with uh, today's rates. So I would generally say anyone with a mortgage rate of 2.79 or higher, it can make sense for them to, to break their mortgage. So certainly reach out to a mortgage professional like myself, and I'd be more than happy to run the numbers and see if it would be beneficial for you. Sometimes people want to do it just for interest savings. Other people, perhaps their cash flow has been affected by COVID or they've had a new child and childcare expenses are expensive and they just need some additional cash flow for your new child and childcare expenses and stuff like that. Sometimes it can make sense to refinance just to have lower payments. So again, feel free to reach out to somebody like myself and I can run the numbers and help you decide whether it would be a good idea or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe you were okay with that mortgage payment amount when you first had took on the mortgage, but something has changed, either having a child or or something else or some emergency. Maybe, I guess, maybe one of you lost your job or got have reduced hours because of COVID, something like that. And so you actually wouldn't mind having lower mortgage payments that you have to make every single month. And so that can, that can make total sense. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, regarding these rate holders, Sean, that's very interesting. So I'm assuming someone can just have a rate hold ready and then the banks have to honor that for a certain period of time. And then, but it's not like you're obligated to take it, right? So is that just something that people can secure with you or, or whoever their mortgage professional is just to sort of have that option of taking advantage of that? Or do they have to commit to any uh, sort of rates when they do this rate hold thing? If it's a pre-approval for somebody that's looking to buy a, a property, what, what I say to clients is that it's a worst case scenario. This is kind of an insurance policy that doesn't cost you anything. So whatever the pre-approval rate is, if rates end up being lower when you actually find a property and have an accepted offer on it, then you will get the best available rate, no questions asked. But if rates end up going higher than you are protected and you get the lower rate hold rate. So you kind of win either way. So there's no cost to it and you don't even have to necessarily move forward with the lender. It's just kind of like I said, an insurance policy. So I'm not sure why you wouldn't get a rate hold that just makes a lot of sense, especially for somebody shopping and like looking for a property. It, certainly, if I was buying a house right now, I would I would get a rate hold, especially when the fixed rates are trending upward. If you're looking for a property, I don't see why you wouldn't get a rate hold right now. It makes perfect sense to do that. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. My mind went to options when it comes to investments, right? And but there's obviously a cost to partake in something like that. But it, it, that's interesting how in the mortgage space, that's not necessarily so. You can get these rate holds, and it's not like you have to pay some amount to have that option 
to lock in that lower rate for a period of time. Um, so no, that, that's very, very interesting. I think that's a good tool for people to have in their toolbox. And if you choose not to take them up on that rate, then that's that's fine. It's not like you have to pay some penalty or anything. So um, yeah, definitely a good, I think, practical tool to have in the toolbox. Um, and yeah, and that, and that link again for anybody that wants Sean to do these numbers for them and get a rate hold if you are interested in that. It's uh, buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, so S-E-A-N. And then that will take you there basically and then Sean can help you with that. Um, so that's great, Sean. Thank you. Thanks so much uh, for offering that and for giving us that information. My pleasure. Yeah, let, let's, um, let's switch gears a bit and talk about uh, the spring real estate market, which is coming up. For those looking to buy a home or a rental property, what do we need to know about this particular time of year in Canada when it comes to real estate? Sure. So traditionally, spring is the busiest time of year when it comes to the real estate market. The spring real estate market is when typically the Canadians who are selling their homes, like the best homes on the street, tend to go for sale. But that was really in the old days. The real estate market has just been completely changed in the last few years. It used to be kind of that the spring market was the be all and end all. And then the rest of the year, like maybe things picked up in the fall, but the yes, the rest of the year was kind of on the slower side. But honestly, it seems like nowadays over the last few years, it's just busy all the time, uh, especially with COVID. There was originally, I guess, speculation that COVID would slow down the real estate market just because people didn't know what would happen, but it's actually made the real estate market very active. We had like record home sales in 2020. And it's just because people moved up their decision in terms of moving properties. And a lot of white collar workers are able to work remotely and they have that freedom to be able to still continue doing their office job, but move somewhere further away and enjoy the lower cost of living as well as nature and just somewhere where it's easier to socially distance and all that. So all, all things considered, the real estate markets, uh, like it, it's not really the old rules about the spring market being the best time to buy and sell, I don't think necessarily applies. And even the spring market's a bit of a double-edged sword, even though typically it's when most people list their homes. That just means that if you're a home buyer or home seller, there's more competition out there. Because, for example, instead of perhaps on your street, let's say that if you listed your home in around the holidays, you might be the only one listing it. But if you list your home in the springtime, there might be maybe three, four other people listing similar homes on the street. So even though around the holidays isn't as busy typically as the, the springtime, you have more competition as a seller. So you really have to make sure that your property is looking its best because you're competing against maybe three other people on the house on the street in terms of uh, like houses there. So yeah, I expect this spring real estate market to be a good real estate market. We're just getting into it uh, now. I mean, there's really, it's not really showing any signs of slowing down the Canadian real estate markets. And uh, yeah, maybe this frenzied pace of people buying and selling properties might slow down. But then I think when things get back to normal from COVID, maybe some of these people are going to realize that they're workplace isn't okay with them working remotely 100% of the time and they'll be forced to move back and then that will cause even more activity in the real estate market. So there doesn't really seem to be an end in, in sight. And I heard a great saying about the real estate market. Some people try to time the market. They're like, oh, you know, the newspaper says there's going to be a real estate bubble. I'm not going to buy right now. I'm just going to keep waiting. Well, there's a good saying that I heard from Scott McGillivray from HGTV's Income Property. He says, it's not 
time. It's not uh, timing the market. It's time in the market. I believe I've said that maybe once before and on the podcast here. But uh, yeah, you should buy a property when it makes financial sense for you from a lifestyle perspective. I wouldn't really necessarily try to time the market because yeah, if I listen to if I listen to the so-called experts and read the newspaper headlines uh, when I was thinking of buying a house back in 2012 and listening to them, I probably wouldn't have been able to afford a house if I waited a few more years. So um, yeah, I would just say if it makes sense in, in the springtime to buy a property, then from a lifestyle and financial perspective, and you have a stable job situation and don't anticipate COVID interrupting it or anything like that, I would say now is an excellent time to buy. And yeah, the old rules to the spring real estate market don't really apply anymore. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Do you know what interest rate you're getting on any cash sitting in your checking and savings accounts? There's a huge range in what the different banks are offering in Canada. And at the time of this recording, when I compared what I get at my bank versus the other banks in Canada, I find that I'm getting anywhere from double to over 30 times more interest, which is basically free money. So the bank that I use is EQ Bank. It's free to bank with them. There are no monthly fees, no minimum balances to get that higher rate. I've been using them since 2016 and I've never had any issues. They've got unlimited free Interact e-transfers, which I find super convenient for sending anybody money at no charge. And they have a super convenient way of sending money internationally too. And the money isn't locked in, so you can actually take money out at any time, just like a regular checking account, but you're not incurring any fees in the process. So I keep my entire emergency fund and spending money with them. Basically, just about everything of mine that isn't being invested in ETFs goes directly into my EQ Bank account to earn me that higher interest. And I've been using them, like I said, since 2016, even before they became a sponsor of the show. So if you are going to sign up for free with them, please use the link buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca ca slash the letter e and the letter q it's a huge help and using that specific link helps keep the show and almost everything else on the build wealth canada site free and as a thank you when you sign up with them for free using my link specifically if you send me any confirmation email that you get from them i'll send you my full free guide on all the investments that i personally own and buy along with an in-depth explanation on why i chose each one so there are thousands of investment options out there some incredibly expensive with ridiculous hidden fees so this guy will at least help you narrow things down. And these are all the investments that have massively helped. My wife and I retire in our 30s and they are the investments that I continue to hold and live off of today. So to get the free guide, just sign up for free over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ and it has to be through that specific link. And then forward me any confirmation email that you get from EQ to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca and I'll send you the full guide for free. So thank you so much for using that link to support the show and enjoy the free banking and the high interest rate on your savings. Reminds me a bit of the investing world as well, where the market tends to go up more than it goes down. And so you really just want to be in the market as long as possible, uh, as opposed to just waiting and waiting for this sort of opportune time, uh, which you know you could be sitting on the sidelines for a very, very long time. And you know the odds are against you if you're just sitting there in cash waiting waiting and waiting and, and hoping for something to happen. Uh, b- people aren't very good at timing uh, the markets, I would say, whether it's uh, real estate or, um, or the stock market as well. Exactly. Like clients often try to time variable rates. They're like, I'll lock you to a fixed rate at the perfect time. But as we've seen recently, fixed rates can move up very quickly. So I would say that's not the best of, of strategies. Like in terms of you know taking out a mortgage and 
buying a property. Don't don't try to time the market. It's just best to buy a property when it makes financial sense for you. And unless you're into day trading or something like that, it's best to stay away from timing the real estate market because it's a bit of a wash. If you're buying and selling a property in the same market, even if the market is flying high or it's like maybe a bit uh, on the slower side, like you're buying in the same market at the end of the day, unless there's a big change in the market. So it's a bit of a wash as far as I'm concerned. Right. Where, okay, yes, you sold the house for more because maybe the real estate market's hot in your area. But if you're buying in the same area, then you're also now paying more because the market's hot. So like exactly. you said, it's it kind of, uh, it can offset each other. Um, I, it's different, I suppose, if you're selling in a really hot market and then you know, you're retiring, so you end up buying a house somewhere, maybe a more remote, an area that has a lot slower growth and isn't as expensive, you know, then you can maybe take advantage of some of those things. But it seems like, you know, a lot of times people are moving still in generally the same area, right? Unless they got some new job that's like in a completely another province or something like that. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's usually, I think, a wash for most people, definitely. Yeah. So anytime interest rates move, I'm, I'm sure you get lots of questions from your clients on, whether they should lock in their variable rate mortgage, or if someone is getting a new mortgage, whether they should go variable or fixed. So based on the current interest rate environment and the new changes to mortgage rates, what sort of analysis should we be doing to determine the best course of action? Well, it depends. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give a (laughs) wishy-washy answer (laughs) like that. But I mean, it really depends on your situation. But what I can say is that the gap between fixed and variable rate mortgages have widened. Now, I just wanted to clarify, when I talked about fixed mortgage rates going up, that is not the case with variable rate mortgages. We have not seen increases in variable rate mortgages. In in fact, we've seen quite the opposite. Variable rate mortgages have been trending downward. There's been, I would say, variable rate mortgages uh, when fixed rate mortgages went up by 0%. 03 to 0.5% variable rate mortgages during that same time went down like 0.1 to 0.2%. So the gap was pretty narrow between them a month ago. Uh, they were pretty much on even footing. Usually the gap was only fixed rates was maybe only 0.15% higher than variable rate, but the gaps widened to about, I would say on average 0.5% between the two options. Still, I think for a lot of Canadians, fixed rate makes sense, especially for first-time home buyers, because with the variable rate, two increases by prime rate by your lender can kind of put you on even footing with the fixed rate. And I definitely see that as a possibility in the coming years. Like the Bank of Canada said that they don't plan to raise rates until 2023, but then there's speculation that could happen like as soon as 2022. So I just don't really see the benefit of going with variable for the vast majority of people right now, just because the gap between them is is pretty small. If we see it widen to like a 1% difference between them, then I definitely think variable is worth considering. But uh, yeah, in, in my opinion, there's not enough of a difference between them. But searching for a mortgage, it shouldn't just be a decision about the mortgage rate. It's also important to consider other factors like the penalty for example, if you don't foresee yourself staying, let's say you're just moving out farther because of the COVID situation and you're hoping that your workplace is okay with you continuing to work remotely indefinitely and, and that doesn't happen and then you have to move back into the city, well, if you have to break your mortgage on the fixed rate side, it can be quite costly, especially with the big banks. Um, as a mortgage broker myself, I 
to have access to another category of lenders called non-bank lenders, monoline lenders. I like to call them wholesale lenders. Basically, they just offer mortgages. They're not like the banks where they offer several products and you're able to get a fixed rate with them and a lot fairer of a mortgage penalty. So I would say you like the stability of a fixed rate mortgage and you don't like the big penalty of them because you can still get hit with a big penalty these days, even though the rates are low, since the banks use a rate of almost 5% to calculate your penalty, uh, assuming they could loan out the money at that percentage there. But uh, yeah, I think for most people, fixed rate makes sense. It's just important to have that conversation also about the mortgage penalty. And I ask all my clients about what their long-term plans are, because it's certainly, you know, we've been taught to just search for mortgages based on rates, but there's so many other things to consider. So I would think for most people, just to summarize, fixed rates would make the most sense, but it's important to consider the penalty and then decide what type of lender, whether it's a a bank or a non-bank lender. And for some people, variable does make sense, but yeah, you just kind of have to peel back the layers of the onion and ask questions to figure out who variable or, or, or fix makes sense for. Like if you're a first time home bar, you've never paid mortgage payments before, utility payments and property taxes. So you probably don't want to deal with mortgage payments going up if you go on the variable rate side. So for that category of home bars, as well as most people, I would say fixed rates make sense. But for other people that just want to, I guess, are more pessimistic about the real estate market or just want that certainty of the three months of interest penalty, which is the penalty at a variable rate, whereas it could be a lot higher for fixed rates. Uh, yes, I, I think variable can make sense for them, but I would say mostly fixed makes sense for the vast majority of Canadians at this point in time. But if the gap between fixed and variable widen to like 1%, then I definitely think variable is worth a more serious look at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So is it fair to kind of look at it in terms of premium that you are paying by getting a fixed rate mortgage because you're securing that rate? It's going to cost you a bit more, but at least you have that stability. And would that be an accurate way or one way to look at it? Yes, definitely. That's an excellent way to look at it, Cordell. Fixed has almost always been higher than variable. The gap of between them is always changing over time. Like we did have a time about a couple of years ago where variable was actually higher than fixed, which was kind of strange. You don't really have an incentive to go with variable, but the vast majority of the time, fixed is always higher than variable and and you are paying that bit of a premium. But I certainly think that in order to go variable, the gap between fixed and variable needs to be larger. When it's only 0.5% higher than variable rate, you have to think what the chances are of the Bank of Canada raising interest rates and then lenders putting up their prime rate and typically increases are by 25 basis points or 0.25%. Like I definitely think it's plausible the Bank of Canada could increase interest rates several times, more than two times over like a five-year period. Like five years is a very long time. Like five years from now is 2026. What will the investing world look like in 2026, uh, Cornell? It's, it's pretty hard to predict the future like that. And things change, a lot can change over five years time. So uh yeah, I definitely think that fixed rate makes the most sense uh, for people. If if that gap widens up, uh, then maybe variables uh, worth a bit of a look. But I definitely think it's worth paying that little bit of a premium for the fixed at, at this point in time for most clients. But certainly speak with a mortgage professional like myself and we'll know the right questions to ask you to 
you know, help, help you make an informed decision. Cause yeah, it's, it's not just about the rate. There are other things to consider like the penalty as, as mentioned. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not a one size fits all solution where everybody should always go variable or everyone should always go fixed. It really, it really depends how much you want to secure those payments and have them not fluctuate. And in order to break the mortgage, I mean, those fees can be pretty significant. Can you talk a bit about how high those fees can be? You mentioned that if generally, if you get it through a big a fixed mortgage through a big bank, the fees are a lot higher. What, what can we expect them to be in that case versus going with a wholesale lender versus do having a variable rate mortgage? Can you give us maybe some sort of frame or reference how those compare? Because it's like, yes, we're getting that stability with the fixed rate mortgage in terms of payments. But then I, I guess yeah, the elephant in the room is these breaking mortgage penalties, right? Because uh, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I think I've heard of cases where it can even be like in the you know $10,000 plus, depending on the terms of the mortgage and the size of the mortgage. Can you Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, definitely. So I remember reading a story written by CBC when the pandemic first happened and a lady had to sell her property during COVID and she was hit with a $40,000 mortgage penalty from the big bank. Wow. So $40,000. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be spending $40,000 on a mortgage penalty. That That's for sure. So that's why the, the banks can offer you a great rate, but if you have to pay costly penalties at, at the back end, then is it really worth it? I like to say to clients, like the lowest rate can help save you hundreds, but the wrong mortgage product can cost you thousands. And what I mean by that is you may find the absolute bottom of the barrel interest rate, but if it's going to have limitations like bonafide sale clause, which means you can't break the mortgage and switch to another lender, you can only sell the, the the property to get out of the mortgage if it's going to have a costly big bank mortgage penalty and you're going to have to pay the 30 or forty thousand dollar penalty is it is it really worth it because you may get a low interest rate but let's say you get an interest rate i'm just making up a random number but let's just say you get a interest rate of 1.99 percent from a big bank but then you end up breaking the mortgage because life is unpredictable. Uh, on average, six out of 10 Canadians break their mortgage on uh, around the three-year mark. So let's say three years down the line, you break your mortgage and have to pay a $30,000 penalty. Then when you factor in the penalty that you have to pay, the actual interest rate overall could end up being almost 3% or higher, even though the actual rate was 1.99% when you take in the co- total cost of borrowing. So just to quantify some of these penalties, the fixed rate penalties are a bit of a mystery. Like the big thing is the banks are able to choose whatever comparison rate that they use. And that's what really inflates the penalties with the mortgage. So it's really the discretion of the bank. The government's tried to crack down on it in the past, but the rules just never got passed. So it's basically up to the banks to set whatever comparison rate that they want. And you may be wondering why the banks keep these inflated poster rates of almost 5%. And the main reason is so that they can use that to calculate mortgage penalties. They basically mm. say, well, you're breaking your mortgage. We can load out that mortgage money at almost 5%. So we're going to calculate all the lost interest because we're not able to loan it out at 5%. So then they hit you with a huge penalty like that. doesn't really seem fair to me, but those are the rules. So in terms of to actually quantify some of these penalties, it really depends on how much time you have left on your mortgage, as well as where rates currently are at the time when you're breaking your mortgage. But as an example, like a non-bank or monoline lender or wholesale lender, whatever you want to call them, they're all the same thing. With them, I've seen mortgage penalties on the fixed side of 1% of the balance. So 
let's say your mortgage was, you had a balance of $300,000, then 1% of of that would be around $3,000. Whereas with the big banks, I've seen mortgage penalties as high as 10% of the balance and 10% of 300,000 could be like $30,000. Now it's not always necessarily that high because the ba- it's up to that the banks what they want to use for the comparison rate, but that just goes to show you how much higher the big bank mortgage penalties can be than compared to the non-bank lenders. They can sometimes be like in that example, I guess it was 10 times higher. That's kind of a bit extreme example, but it, it wouldn't surprise me to see like a big bank penalty being three or four times higher than a, um, than a non-bank lender. So certainly, as I mentioned, it's not just about the lowest rate. It's also important to have kind of a backup plan because yeah, you can have the mentality that you're going to be staying in your property for the five, next five years and nothing will happen. But I'm sure lots of people had that mentality when they signed up for their five-year fixed rate mortgage and then COVID happened and the rates plummeted and then they were kicking themselves for locking in for that uh, period of time. And as mentioned, six out of 10 Canadians break their mortgage before the end of the term. But I'm sure if you asked all, like if you asked all 10 of those Canadians, are you going to break your mortgage before the end of the term? I'm sure nine out of 10 would be fully confident. Like there's no way I'm going to break my mortgage, but then something happens in those five years, whether it's like marriage breakdown or just deciding to move to a new property or relocating for a new job, or there can just be many, many reasons, but something comes up because five years is a long time and you end up having to break your mortgage. So yeah, certainly important to consider not only the rate, but the penalty as well, prepayments, uh, how much you're able to pay down. And yes, I just find if you go to the bank, they're just solely focused on rates they don't really give they're not gonna if you go to the bank they're they're not gonna boast about their big penalties or anything like that you really have to pull teeth to get some of this information uh, from them so certainly working with a mortgage professional like myself i'm fully independent and i don't work for the bank directly i have relationships with over 50 different lenders so if penalties are a concern for you like i always ask my clients what their long-term plans are and if they see that there's a good chance that they could have to break their mortgage in the next five years, then I wouldn't suggest going with big bank mortgage uh, because then they could have to pay a big penalty because yeah, it's, I, I always try to look out for the best interests of my clients. So yeah, that's kind of what you can keep in mind in terms of the penalties. But bottom line is definitely think about penalties when you sign up for a mortgage. Don't just think about the rate because the penalties can really come back to burn you later on, even if you're getting a good rate up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I've seen, it seems like the banks know that people are interested in the rate and that's what everyone's looking at. Uh, but whereas the mortgage breaking penalties, that's more so the fine print, that's more the sort of details. And so it's much easier from a marketing perspective. I can see how, okay, they may try to make the rates look lower, but then they make the terms of the mortgage so much more advantageous on their end. Like you said, if six out of 10 people break their mortgage, they can make those penalties pretty steep and they can end up making quite a bit of money on that. So I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, I've heard these horror stories of people paying you know, five-figure sums <laughs> in terms of these fees. And it just it, it's, it's wild how, how large these fees are. And I don't think, I think I would, my guess is that most people don't, think of that when they are getting the mortgage. They, they don't think of the penalty. They just think they're going to hold it the five years. But I know 
for, at least for from my experience, it's been very common to where we say, oh, this is our forever home for sure. And then a few years go by and something happens, right? Uh, some opportunity, whether it's a job or, or whatever, and then you end up having to move. And then that's when those that fine print really starts to matter. So yeah, so I, I definitely hear you on that one. Um, let, let, let's talk about uh, COVID for a second here. So of course, it's still very prevalent here in Canada. Are there any misconceptions about COVID and its impact on the real estate market that you think are worth clearing up? Sure. So certainly when COVID first happened, people in the real estate market really didn't know how to handle the situation. People were just kind of taking a wait and see approach because they didn't really understand the true health effects of COVID. Like home appraisers were just refusing outright to go into properties because they didn't really understand COVID. Like we didn't even know about community transmission or anything like that at that point, how community spread at that point in in time. And we've learned a lot more about COVID since then. So I would say the real estate market by and large is back to normal. Like there's a lot more activity just because of people moving just with the opportunity to work remotely these days from, from their job if you're like a white collar worker. But yeah, things have largely gone back to normal with COVID increasing the the caseload, Canada seeing its uh, second wave. Uh, we did go back to modified appraisals in a lot of parts of the country. And what a modified appraisal is, so when you buy a property, the lender will sometimes require an appraisal on the property. And that just basically confirms that the price that you're buying the property for is a fair amount, as well as it confirms that the property is in good condition as well. I did an episode on the Burn Your Mortgage podcast, if I can plug my own podcast, where I talked all about appraisals. So if you want to hear all about them for half an hour, I spoke in depth about them on my podcast. But basically, for March and April 2020, appraisers didn't really want to go into properties. But slowly things got went back to normal. But with the second wave, we're again seeing appraisers sometimes not going into properties nowadays just to help stop the spread of COVID, especially in lockdown zones like Toronto. So we're going back to modified appraisals where basically means the homeowner needs to supply photos of of the property and the appraiser is basically taking measurements of the outside of like a single family home. It's a bit challenging with a condo to do a modified appraisal because if you're up on the 15th floor, kind of can't like get a ladder and look in look in the condo maybe you can go inside the building and look inside the door if somebody opens the door but yeah it's it's, it's a bit challenging in terms of that i would say in most of the country if you're not in lockdown the appraisal process is probably similar to how it was before so that's kind of some changes that we're seeing and also lenders just want to know have an understanding of how your employment situation was affected by COVID. So if you're buying a, a property somewhere far away from where you're working, that just want to understand how things are going to work when things get back to normal and whether you're able to commute into the office, stuff of that nature. So they just want to make sure that your income hasn't been affected by COVID and you're able to work remotely and there won't be any issues commuting into the office if you need to do that later on. So th- those are really the major changes to the real estate market and just more activity overall with people just moving up their plans to move outside the city. Toronto actually saw its population 
decline for by the biggest amount in pretty much in several decades. I don't think Toronto's population has ever had a decline with this. It's just like this before. It's just so many people moving outside of the city and moving up their plans just because of the freedom that white collar workers have to, to do that. So yeah, I would say those are kind of the big real estate stories in, in terms of uh, COVID. But uh, certainly if you take safety precautions, then I certainly think it can be a great time to be looking at properties. And yeah, if your job hasn't been affected by COVID, then certainly with the rates still near record lows, they've gone up a bit, but still with the rates being as low as they are, I definitely think it's an opportune time to buy a property if you're able to find a property that makes financial sense and lifestyle sense for you as well. And now a quick break to tell you about some of the resources you may find helpful on our Build Wealth Canada site. Hey there, this is just a quick intermission to let you know about a free educational resource that I posted for you on the buildwealthcanada.ca site. As you may know, I'm also a speaker at the Canadian Financial Summit, and one of my past talks is a video presentation titled, What Passive Investing Style is Right for You?, where I go through the pros and cons of using a robo-advisor versus buying a single asset allocation ETF for your entire portfolio versus buying individual ETFs to get the lowest cost and highest tax efficiency. And now each of these passive investing approaches have their pros and cons. There isn't one single solution that's perfect for everyone. And so this video presentation takes you through what your passive investing options are in Canada, what you can expect to pay in fees with each approach, how tax efficient each one is, and how complex each one of them are so that you can find the one that's the best fit for you. Or if you're already a passive investor, then seeing what you're actually paying on the back end through this presentation just might inspire you to switch to a more cost-effective and tax-efficient approach. So you can stream the entire video presentation for free over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash investing style, all one word. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash investing style. And then just our last question here, as we head into 2021 spring real estate season, would you say that it's more of a buyer's market right now or more of a seller's market? And I know a lot of this can depend on a more local basis, but just generally speaking, when when you're talking with different clients, uh, how are you finding things? Yes. So real estate, that's a great observation, Cornell. So it's kind of hard to talk about real estate nationally. Every city is different. Every neighborhood is different. Like one, even, even every street might be different, but just generally overall speaking, I would say in Southern Ontario and even into Northern Ontario, it's definitely a seller's market there. Maybe some markets might be a bit on the balance side, but just because as I mentioned with all the people moving outside of the GTA, just to get more space, it just, it's pushing up the real estate prices in different markets from Windsor to Niagara to to, to Barrie, even places like Sault Ste. Marie up, up north there. So it's, it's definitely, I would say, leaning on the seller's market side, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be like 20, 25 people bidding on a property. You just have to have a good real estate agent and come up with a good plan in terms of viewing properties and uh, using your time efficiently and and all that. But but um, yeah, you just have to show some patience as well. Like when I was trying to buy my property, it actually, it took me pretty much over two years to find a property. I mean, I wouldn't encourage somebody. I was getting pretty frustrating looking for two years, but uh, you just have to show some patience and eventually you'll be successful in, in when it comes to making an offer on a property. But uh, yeah, I would say it's a seller's market and a lot of balanced market and 
some markets, I would say it's it, the real estate market is pretty, the slowest part of the country would probably be Alberta, which Alberta is kind of a feast or famine province. When times are really good, people can go out on their lunch break and buy a new car. But when times aren't so good, it can be pretty tough in that province. So yeah, the real estate prices have definitely taken a hit in Alberta, but in cities like Calgary and Edmonton, I mean, it's not like the house prices have collapsed by 50% or anything like that. It's not like when the real estate values fell in Phoenix, Arizona by huge amounts during the financial crisis, we're just not seeing appreciation of five or 10% we would outside in other parts of the country. So I would still say now is an excellent time to be buying. And you have to remember there's some people not in the market right now, just because their employment situation has been affected by COVID. So it could mean you have less competition as well. So I would say if you're financially ready, you have all your ducks in a row, you've called up your mortgage broker and got pre-approved. That's very important to do because then you know how much you can afford on a property. If you just go out blindly looking at properties and you don't know how much you afford, then you're kind of, I guess, wasting your own time as well as the realtor's time. So as long as you are pre-approved and you're ready to hit the ground running, I definitely think now is as good of a time as ever to go into the market. And yeah, I mean, I sometimes hear people say like, oh, I'm just going to wait six months and save up more money. I mean, if it doesn't make sense for you to buy a property from a lifestyle perspective, uh, then yeah, I'm totally in favor of waiting. But I guess the risk of waiting longer is that if home prices keep going up in the market that you're looking to buy, then you could be priced out of the market. Basically, the extra money that you save won't keep up with the pace that home prices are going up, which I kind of saw during the situation when I was buying, I saw that firsthand what that can uh, look like. And I guess some people also, they're like, oh, I don't want to pay mortgage default insurance. Like I don't want to pay $10,000 or $15,000 in mortgage default insurance. I'm going to wait another year. But then you look at the amount that you're spending on rent and the rent adds up to the amount that you're going to spend on mortgage default insurance. So I think when people actually understand the numbers properly and speak with a mortgage professional who can lay out things nice and clearly and then you can make a proper informed decision. Uh, I definitely think it, it makes sense uh, to do that. So yeah, I would definitely say spring 2021, a great time to buy or sell real estate. And yeah, I'm super excited to see things hopefully getting semi back to normal by the summertime. And I think it will be an, another great spring real estate market this year. Mm. That's great. That's, that's great to know. Thanks, Sean. Uh, and yeah, for anybody interested, I remember when we were doing our house shopping years ago, we wanted to know, well, is it a seller's market in our local area? Is it a buyer's market? You just kind of, so we know what to expect. Are we going to be you know, going up against all these bidding wars or is it going to be the opposite? And I remember our local real estate board would publish reports that were available for free that would basically talk about that and then say, okay, is it more of a seller's market versus a buyer's market? Just to kind of mentally prepare yourself for what's going to happen. And, you know, like, like you're not going to be lowballing people during a seller's market, for example, right? Versus if it's a buyer's market, maybe you can be a bit more aggressive. So I remember that was, I found that pretty helpful. So definitely, I think your real estate agent can help you with that. But yeah, I remember like I'm in kitchen or Waterloo, their real estate board, I remember published some interesting reports on that, that they would keep updating. Uh, so that's kind of one resource that I would suggest you check out if that is something that uh, you would like to know for your specific uh, area. But uh, yeah, w- w- with that said, Sean, thanks so much for, for coming on again, for sh- giving us an update as well. Things are obviously pretty, <laughs> you're changing a lot uh, here you know, in real estate in Canada with COVID and everything. So thanks for giving us some more clarity on that and, and teaching us a bunch in the process. Uh, thanks again. Oh, my pleasure. It's always wonderful to speak with your listeners and yeah, looking forward to hearing from everyone and helping them with their mortgage soon as well. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for offering that to to the Bullet Candle listeners. So again, just for everybody listening, if you do have some questions that you would like to ask Sean, it's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So just S-E-A-N. And you can go there, you can enter your email and basically Sean will reach out to you and then you guys can set up a time to talk and get your questions answered. So uh, yeah, whether you have, Sean's been nice enough to basically offer his services, whether you have any sort of questions or if you're just looking to see, you know, what are the different rates on the for mortgages in the market. He he's always up to date on that and on the latest mortgage rules because that's his job. So uh, you know, he's a good resource, uh, you know, to sort of help you shop around for the lowest rate mortgage and the one with the best terms, as he's not tied to like one particular bank and, and that's all that he knows. So I found that to be you know a really good resource for both Kendall listeners. So uh, yeah, so thanks again, Sean, for for offering that. And it's it doesn't cost you anything. Um it, it's just it's a free resource and, and there's no obligation or anything like that either. That oh, you have to get a mortgage through Sean if you reach out to him. Uh, that's definitely not the case. Uh, so, so yeah, Sean, thank you again for, for offering that to the Build With Canada listeners. Thanks, Cornell. Okay, awesome. All right, take care. Bye. All right, thanks for tuning in this month. Remember, you can also stream my talk on what passive investing style is right for you. And that's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash investing style. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash investing style. All one word and it's all uh, totally free as well. Last but not least, definitely a big thank you to EQ Bank for sponsoring the show. It's the bank that my wife and I use, and it's easily my favorite bank, as not only is it free, but the interest rate that you get is as much as 30 times higher compared to some of the other banks in Canada. And it's also not some temporary promotional rate either. I've been with them for years and found they constantly adjust their rate to consistently have one of the highest interest rates in Canada on their savings account. And if you are going to check them out, please go through my link as it really helps support the show. And that link is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letter E and the letter Q. And as an added bonus, if you sign up through that link and send me any confirmation email that they send you, I'll email you my guide on the top ETFs in Canada. This guide literally goes over all the investments that I personally own in my portfolio, along with why I chose them from the thousands of options available out there. So to get that, just sign up to EQ Bank for free by using the link buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ, and it must be that specific link to get the bonus. And then just email me any confirmation email that you get from them to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca, and I'll email you the guide completely free. All right, so that's it. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate any support that you provide, and I wish you a safe and happy month. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca. 